The Holy Gospel for this day is written in the Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus said to him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you about earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning, Upper Dublin Lutheran Church. It is so good to be here. As uh, Pastor Diane said a little bit ago, for those of you who uh, are are somewhat more recent joiners here, um, I was the pastor here for for a while, about 11 years. I started all the way back in 1977. In fact, it was almost exactly 40 years ago today that I stood in that pulpit for the very first time. And for those of you that I do know, how did you get so old-looking? One thing I've, I've mentioned to the other, the other two services, I'm going to say it one more time. Um, there was word that had circulated for some while around this area that uh, Pastor Diane said that it would be a cold day in Ambler before I got back in here to preach. <laughs> so here I am. Well, I actually retired from parish ministry about almost two years ago, to, uh, two years ago, in uh, April, I had been most recently the pastor at Christ Lutheran Church up in Culpsville, 
was there for about 22 years. But for the final six months of my ministry there, those months were very deeply colored by a very chance discovery of the picture of a piece of sculpture. I can't remember exactly how I happened upon this picture, but once I saw it, that sculpture changed everything about the way I understood my Lord Jesus Christ. It was a sculpture by a Canadian artist named Timothy Schmaltz. And when you first look at it, it's a powerful vision of a robed man sitting cross-legged with his hand out begging. You'll notice a hood covers the man's head. You cannot see his face. That picture just grabbed hold of me powerfully, and I kept staring at that picture. Then suddenly I noticed something. It was the beggar's outstretched hand. It had a nail hole in it. Oh my God, I thought, that's Jesus. For the next few months, I referenced that sculpture an awful lot of different times in sermons and had a large reproduction of that initial picture that I saw made and put it on the bulletin board and talked about it a lot. Now, Timothy Schmaltz's sculpture was titled, Whatsoever You Do. And you may recognize that as a, a quote from a parable or a story that Jesus told, which is recorded in the 25th chapter of Matthew's gospel. In it, as you recall, a king says to those finally on his right hand, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. But those sitting at the king's right say back to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And that's when the king gives that memorable reply. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Well, I guess I spoke about that sculpture often enough in those last six months of my time there that on the very day I retired, one of the members gave me a gift, a small reproduction of that very same sculpture. I was so moved that I had to fight back the tears when he gave it to me meant so much to me. Well, the very next day, very next day after I got this sculpture and had my last day at that congregation, I made a trip to Coconut Creek, Florida to go down there to talk to some people at an international aid and development organization that is called Food for the Poor. I went to talk with them about working with them. And you know what? When I walked in the front door of that building and into the lobby, there in the middle of that lobby was that very same statue, this time 
a full-sized reproduction. And I know I gasped. I also knew that something very special was going to lay ahead of me on the other side of that sculpture. And it did. Because five weeks later, I found myself in a very small, way, way, way out of the way, Haitian village called La Perriere. And there, I saw Jesus again. This time, Jesus appeared to me as a woman named Marie Carmel. Now, in her village, each house was one or two rooms, regardless of the size of the family. The huts were built of woven sticks plastered over with dried mud. And only a couple weeks before I and the others from Food for the Poor arrived there for this visit, the village itself had made an arrangement and invited Food for the Poor to come in and to help them, but the work had not yet begun. For now, while I was there, they had no clean water. Their mud and sticks huts had to be re-mudded each and every time there was a hard rainfall. And in the meantime, the families had to sit in the mud on the floor inside their huts to eat and to sleep. Food was then a precious commodity and in terribly short supply. And the people in this village, because they were so remote, had practically no access at all to a doctor or to medicine. And almost no one in that whole village, adults or children, had ever been to school. Well, we toured the village, and we finally came to the hut of Marie Carmel. She came out and she greeted us warmly in her Haitian Creole language, and then she turned and asked for her kids to come out and meet us, and they did. And I noticed immediately that each of her children had large patches of orange in their black hair. That is a sign of severe malnutrition. The very same malnutrition which had already claimed four of Marie's children. And that is when Marie Carmel did a most remarkable thing. And that is when I saw Jesus yet again. Marie Carmel began to sing. She began to sing a hymn praising Jesus as her king and for being, for being the source of the riches that Jesus had given her. Eyes turned heavenward, she sang and she sang. Her skin and bone arms surrounded her children with tender love. And she sang to praise Jesus for remembering her. I was deeply moved, for here was this very weak woman praising Jesus for her strength. Here was this desperately poor woman praising Jesus for making her rich, 
not rich, mind you, in material things, but for making her rich in hope. Hope that somehow her children could have food, proper shelter, medical care when they got sick, water to drink that didn't make them sick, and maybe, just maybe, even a little bit of education. And she wanted these things for her kids the same way that any mother would want them for her own. For Marie Carmel had hope. But she knew that her dreams and her hopes were impossible without God. And without God's people, she knew that she would remain forever a beggar. So she sang her prayer. And as she did, she revealed Jesus to us. And it occurred to me that Marie Carmel was the actual embodiment of the Jesus the beggar statue. She was powerless to provide for her family. She was powerless to provide food for them. Powerless to provide medical care for them. Powerless to provide clean, non-infected water for them. Powerless to earn even a cent of money to support them. Powerless in providing proper housing. Powerless in virtually everything except her hope in Jesus Christ. And all she could do was to put her hand out But here's what I want you to hear. Since I was there, that little village of La Perriere has been transformed. And the glory of God has been revealed there. There's been a shower of love, of dignity, respect, and care lavished on Marie and that whole little village by people just like you who partnered with food for the poor. God's Son has literally been revealed there in a way every bit as surprising as the discovery of an empty tomb on Easter morning. Since my visit, Food for the Poor has built concrete houses there with indoor sanitation, brought clean water there, provided access to medical care there, and supplied the village with good and nutritional food. And we've got people there going there on a regular basis to teach the residents marketable skills so they can actually make a living. It's a miracle what's happened in La Perriere. And it was a miracle that began in pews of churches all across this country. And the miracle of La Perriere is but one of thousands, thousands of similar miracles worked by people just like you through churches just like yours. People and churches who have felt called by God to respond to such desperate poverty. Well, here's how food for the poor and the people we partner with have responded to this calling. In the 35 years of our existence, Food for the Poor 
has served the poorest of the poor in 17 nations of the Caribbean and Latin America. In these years, Food for the Poor has built more than 117,000 houses. We've sent more than 78,000 of those big, big shipping containers full of food and medicines and essential, other things essential to life. And we've delivered in these 35 years nearly $12 billion worth of aid. And in the last two years alone, 2015 and 2016, in each of those two years, we have sent more than a billion dollars alone in each of those two years. And the ministry continues to grow because of people just like you. People who have heard the king say, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. People who, having heard Jesus, have responded. And that is the truth spoken by Jesus. But here's another truth. With billions of dollars worth of aid and education and medicine and houses and clean water with food, support for hospitals, support for orphanages, done throughout the Caribbean and Latin America, with all that and more done over all these years, we are still barely scratching the surface of the need. And that's where you, as you continue your Lenten journey this year, can give to people in that part of the world a hope for resurrection before death, as well as resurrection after death. There are still thousands upon thousands of God's people there praying as Marie did for a miracle. And you can be part of that miracle with this little brochure. Please take some time to see what's in here. List up some, some particular uh, projects that we have going on to support a hungry child for a year, support an orphanage, um, build a house, a lot of different things in there. Um, some congregations, and I've sort of been trying to get Pastor Diana to catch on to this one. She's, I think I got her hooked a little bit. Some congregations uh, take a few months or a year or whatever is necessary and raise money and, and, and uh, buy a house or maybe a couple houses and then form a mission team and go down and build the very houses they bought. It's a very satisfying and very exciting project for a lot of churches. Well, you can see some of the things that we do. Or you can go to foodforthepoor.org and see dozens and dozens more things like digging wells, buying goats, supporting skills training. And I want you to know that each dollar that goes into this little envelope seems so small when you think about that great need. But what comes out of that envelope is a miracle. It's a promise of resurrection before death. Every dollar is a revelation of the glory of Christ, and more than 96 cents of every dollar that goes into that envelope goes directly to the people that we serve. And I would ask you to compare that with any other charity that you can find. But if you're anything like me, 
you like to check out charities because there are so many of them. And one thing I would encourage you to do, go look at CharityNavigator.org. This is the country's biggest uh, charity rating service. And uh, Charity Navigator has given Food for the Poor its highest rating, something that most charities in the country just yearn to, to receive. So if today or if sometime in the future you would like to be part of a resurrection miracle, this little envelope here is how you can do it. And you'll notice, as Pastor Diane mentioned, there's a little number that's stamped right on this part that will forever say Upper Dublin Lutheran Church when it gets to our headquarters, so the congregation will always be credited with your gift. And finally, let me call, one, call your attention to one more thing. There's a panel here kind of midway that says, let us pray for you. And then on the back is a place to include prayer requests, and you're certainly invited and encouraged to do that. Every day at our headquarters, we've received 2,000 of those prayer requests. We have 300 employees there, and guess what? They don't do a lick of work that day until they have prayed each and every one of these prayer requests each and every day. And when people include telephone numbers, they'll call and have those prayers with people right on the phone. And I mention that because I want you to understand that Food for the Poor is a profoundly Christ-centered and Christian mission-driven organization. Our days begin and end in Jesus Christ. Our mission begins with the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. So, as you're now on your Lenten journey, I would suggest to you that Lent is not so much a time for giving something up as it is a time of increasing something that God's already put in us, a commitment to serve the least of God's people, a commitment to serve and do for what we would do for Jesus the beggar. So I hope you'll consider partnering with us in serving the poorest of the poor in the Western Hemisphere. One more time, let me thank you for having me with you today. It's been such a joy all morning for me to be back in this beautiful place and with you beautiful people. And I'm just uh, very grateful to God for this opportunity. And I bless you and your mission as you move forward. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.